Hello and welcome to Renew, Restore, Rejoice, the Safe House Ministries podcast where we share stories of the power of God to change lives through Safe House Ministries. Safe House Ministries is based out of Columbus, Georgia, and we are a ministry that exists to love and serve people who have been impacted by homelessness, addiction, and incarceration. I am your host, Phil Schuler, the Director of Development for Safe House Ministries here in Columbus, Georgia. Safe House serves over 1,000 people each month as they transition back into our community. Safe House provides 213 beds for homeless individuals and families and provides many other important services such as case management for obtaining employment, case management for finding a permanent home, over 300 hot meals every day, free clothing, and so much more. One of the most incredible services that Safe House Ministries provides is our free 9-12 to month intensive outpatient substance abuse program, which is state licensed and has no wait list, setting it apart from nearly all other state licensed recovery programs, which are often very expensive and nearly always have a wait list of two weeks or longer. Almost 100% of those individuals staying in our shelters who follow our three-phase program end up fully employed, and 68% of individuals who stay at least one night with us end up finding work and moving into their own home. Thank you for being with us today and listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. This morning, I have Trixie Jones. To start off, Trixie, I wanted to ask you if there was a single word that you could use to describe yourself, what would it be? Um, fearless. Wow. <laughs> I love it. So what do you mean by that when you say that? Um, I guess growing up, my mom always told me and other people always told me, like, you're fearless. You know, they always told me that I guess my actions, the way I moved and carried myself. And okay. I was fearless. So you are bold. Well, I, I'm sure I'm going to learn a little bit more about that as you tell your story. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. <laughs> so, um, Trixie, did you grow up here in Columbus? I did not. Where'd you grow up? In Monroe, Georgia. Okay. What was it like in your childhood growing up, your family life and, and those um, things? I had a great family. Yeah. Still do. Very huge. Very huge. Um, Just loving. I had a great childhood. And I guess you kind of say I was spoiled, kind of spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you have a lot of brothers and sisters? I do. How many? Got f- I have four sisters and one brother. Wow. So six total siblings? Six total. Awesome. That's, that's a lot of fun in that household, I'm sure. Yes. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. I know what that's like. I've got seven kids, so it's <laughs> it's a madhouse sometimes. But it's good. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Right. So so you loved it. You sound like you had a just a, um, a good. I loved it. I'm yeah. used to it. And that's what I'm used to. People, bukus of nieces and nephews. Yeah. Everywhere, you know. Awesome. So, Are they all here in Columbus? Still? They're not. I am actually the only one here. Okay. Yeah. All right. So growing up, things were good. What kind of circumstances enter your life to take things from being good to being not good? Um, I met a guy. Oh, that's how the story starts so often, isn't it? That's how the story starts. Those knucklehead guys. Right. So you met a guy. How old were you at this point? I was 19. 19. So things were good, and then you turn 19, you meet a guy, and what happened? And it was still good at that point, you know, and I ended up marrying him. And yeah. actually, I'm still married to him now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's some good. So yeah, some good. So uh, what began to happen that was not good? Um, I got a taste of the street life together with him, together or together this... with him. Okay. I wasn't raised that way, and with him, um, and 
I got the taste of the street life and I kind of liked it. It was the fast life. I could do what I want to do. You know, that type of life. Yeah. And I did actually like it. What were your first steps into that world? The drug selling. So fast. you started meeting, I'm assuming you started meeting some other individuals and they started talking to you and they said, this girl's fearless. She's bold. She can help us out, make some money. So they approached you to start selling. Were you using at that point? I was not using. I started out um, selling and I enjoyed it. You know, well, I liked it, the fast money. Yeah. The cars and, you know, the shopping, the clothes, everything that came with it. It was just a fast life I was addicted to. Okay. What were you selling? Um, Crack, cocaine, this, marijuana. Was this in Monroe still? It was in Mar- Monroe and the surrounding areas. Okay. All right. So selling crack, uh, marijuana. What else did you say? Just basically whatever. Whatever? Whatever. Okay. So living the fast life, making lots of money. What happened then? Um, Some years went by. And I first started, I would try um, my first drug. I always smoked the marijuana, but I thought I had that under control, which didn't, you know, bother my lifestyle. And my first heavy, heavy drug I tried was cocaine. And I liked it. And it kept me going. It kept me moving around, you know, to do the things I did, like sell the drugs also. But it wasn't until years later, um, one drug led to another, me trying something, always trying something a little more, a little more. And I finally tried um prescription pain pills. I was actually um doctor or doctor actually prescribed them to me and I got addicted to them because everything else I ever ever tried in my life if I wanted to stop I could stop it but getting addicted to the pain pills I couldn't stop it. Wow so so you are feeling like those pain pills were tougher of an addiction than the cocaine? Than cocaine or anything to me. Wow. It was something I couldn't stop, I couldn't control, and it actually took over with my life, my wow. whole lifestyle, where I actually didn't have the drive to sell the drugs or even get up and go to work no more. Wow. Was your husband and involved? With my husband in, right along. We was were he, just like old he bunny using and, Clyde, and selling and all everything. the same? Okay. We was right neck and neck with everything. Okay. Yes. Wow. So and you... my life just took a whole spiral within seven years of me using the uh prescription pills i lost my home uh, about five cars i lost everything down to my dog oh. so what was that like emotionally at that time did you saying it just you didn't want to work you didn't um, want to do anything you just stay at home just use take the pills i and... started shoplifting or whatever i did rob take from people was this to whatever. make money or was this just because you wanted to just you didn't care anymore um it's not that i didn't care it was just to uh, take care of my high for my pe- prescription, my pills. To pay for what it. What I wanted to pay for it or to get them, however, I, whatever I had to do. Me and my, along with me and my husband, we did it to survive out here. To keep feeding the to addiction. To keep feeding the addiction. Okay. And we didn't care if we had anywhere to live. We was living in our car or on people's, other people's couches or just hanging out wherever. So things had gotten so bad, you weren't working a job. You weren't, were you still selling drugs at that point or? Not yeah, really. but not much because every penny I got went to the prescription pills. All to your my money. Okay. All the money. And the, so you were spending so much on the pills that you just lost everything else. I lost everything else. And on top of that, I was actually going to a doctor where they were prescribing me and my husband. We was actually getting them. We would sell them just to get back, you know, to pay maybe car insurance or whatever for a way cheaper price and go back to the same guy. And he charging us the street value for him, like, 
So oh, it was wow. the never, I mean, it was no win situation with it. Wow. Did the doctor ever question and talk to you about maybe what was going on? Never. I mean, I go in, I pay my money to visit, I come out whatever I want. Wow. And I actually visiting like one, at one point of time before the DEA got involved, I was actually, me and my husband both were actually seeing two doctors a piece once, one every week. Wow. And before we even got on the pills, like I said, it was about the money. We started making money off of them first. We probably used to clear four or $5,000, maybe $7,000 off the pills a week. A he, week? A week. He go one week, I go the next. He go the week, one, the next following week, I go a week. We was making the money at first, and then me and him both end up on the pills. Wow. Wow. So that's a dark time. So you and your husband are both there just living on the streets or just trying to live in with friends or what was, what was. Yeah. Living with friends or whatever. Like I always, like I said, I have a very tight knit close family that love me. Yeah. So when I did get to where I was losing places, I couldn't keep a motel room or nowhere to stay. I could always go home, but my husband wasn't welcome. Okay. Cause at this point, my mom them felt like he's the reason why. I failed. So they kind of blamed him? They blamed him because they were so used to me having it having it together. And always keeping me somewhere to stay. I always had money, you know. Then all of a sudden now I'm borrowing seven, $800 from my mom. Did they who, know about your selling and, and all of that in the time period They kind of did, but I don't think they knew how much of my participation I had over in, with my husband. Yeah. Yeah, but I was right neck to neck with him. Wow. Yeah. So then kind of what happened from there? Wow. So upon my family really finding out the truth and what I did, like it was a me and a, a girl had a big, huge falling out over some counterfeit money. So she kind of went ratted me out to my mom about the truth about what I was really out here doing. But of course, I denied it, you know, and she threw in some extra stuff about me using needles, which I'm, I don't I never use needles. So I was afraid. So pun my mom throwing it in my face and not trusting me at this time because I've already gone through so much with her. I end up spitting out the whole truth about, you know, yeah. no, you know, my addiction and how I'm really doing it, which I snorted. I break them down. So I had to tell her that thinking it was way better than me just shooting up, you know, and she was like, had a fit over behind that. She was, oh, Lord, that ain't no better, you know. So. Like I said, it only got worse from there. I started going to jail. I even went to prison. Um, And I actually went to prison for shoplifting. I got like six or seven shoplifting wrapped. I racked these up within, what, four months or six months. Kept going to jail. Wow. I ended up going to prison over shoplifting, trying to keep up my, my addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how long were you in prison? I did a year the first time. And then not even eight months later, I was back in jail. Looking at a four-year prison term. No, a six-year prison term. Oh, man. And um, I ended up doing 14 months because I ended up having money. Then I went to jail with money, so I was able to pay for a lawyer. And then not even, let me see, I managed to stay out a little over a year before I went back again. That's what ended me up here. So how old were you at that point? I was... 42 and when I started going to jail. Okay. When when you first, the first time you went to jail. The first time I went to jail, I went to prison, I was 42. Wow. You you don't even look 42 right now. I'm 48. You <laughs> look so young. I mean, 48 is young, but you look just really young. Thank you. The Lord has given you some good genetics. <laughs> wow. Okay. So first time you went to prison, you're 42. 
And you were still married. Still married. Was your husband, did he go to prison too? When I or go, is... he go. Okay, so y'all were. I mean, we always, we do our time together. We get out within a month of each other. He make it out a month before me or I'm a month before him. Okay. These last times we went to jail. But throughout our 24-year marriage, um, he's always been in and out of prison because he's always sold drugs or got into trouble. You know, I guess he was kind of, you know, that bad boy. Yeah. You know, we'd be attracted to the bad boys, you know. Yeah. Bad boy, so, bad girl, and you're right. stuck at the hip. you just in it together. And basically, the last time I did go to jail before I ended up here, it was in August of, no, it was July of 21. Okay. I did 14 months in Morgan County County Jail. And I was at that point, I was tired then. And I got out. My plan was like, you know, get my husband's stipulation. Like, look, we either get together or I got to go my way. So I made it out of jail six months this time before he did. So he was the one that first once brought up the discussion of we need to change our lives and we need to. No, it was me. Okay. You brought it up. Yeah. And, but I've been saying this throughout the years, but I always go back. You know, just I continue to go back to him or whatever because I do love him. Yeah. And um, so at this point, yeah, I was out like six months before him. And when he got out, I didn't go back to him. And I tried upon me not going back to him. He's kind of like my husband is. Um, Let me see how I can put it. He's a jealous. And he's very controlled. So upon me going through all what I've gone through, I went through a lot of mental issues with him also, you know, with the control and the fighting, the being. So it wasn't just all good life. So you can imagine with us using drugs, what come behind that. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of rough. But me, I accepted it for 20 some years and it was kind of a norm for me. Just really recently upon me reaching, coming to when I uh, made it to Columbus and I finally entered into a treatment where um, I actually got help this time. So what? What changed in your heart or your life that made you make that decision when you're last time you're in prison? Like what happened that caused you to say, I want something different? I, I'm going to be truthful with you. I said in my mind that I was ready, but my heart wasn't because I still went right back to the same thing I was doing. Okay. The drugs, thinking it's you know fun. Yeah. I didn't always let it go. I was only lying to myself. I tried it. Tell my mom them, but I wasn't. But the whole time, as soon as I stepped foot out, not even two weeks later, I was right back to using pills and just trying to cover it up and, yeah, you know, try to maintain without nobody knowing. But I'd done those 14 months. Within two months of me getting out of them 14 months, I was right back to using without my husband around. It was me. I wasn't totally ready. Yeah. And so, like I said, I made it out after the 14 months. And my husband, I got out August 21st of 2021. Yeah. Okay. And my husband made it out February of 22. Right. So I'm like, I'm not going back to him. Of course, I had started dealing with another guy. It was a guy I had a relationship with off and on throughout when me and my husband, he would go to prison or jail or whatever. It was the same guy that I always had a relationship with. And so I tried meth. And boy, um, there was a bad experience, mm. real bad experience. I, like I said, I try to leave my husband. So at this point, I said he's very controlling or whatever. He wouldn't let me do it. He started harassing me at my mom's house. So the more I felt pressure from him, trying to leave him, the more this meth I started started doing. And I was smoking it. And within that point of time, him getting out February, I wigged out from using the meth me realizing looking back 
I had been up for like three weeks straight, no sleep. Whoa. Wow. Three weeks straight, no sleep, no eating. Oh, man. And I was working, you know, trying to be normal. But I'm thinking I'm just going, going, going. And I wigged out within three weeks' time of no sleeping, no nothing. Started hallucinating, seeing things. And, I mean, I seen the devil himself. I mean, she is talking about it. Um, it was a crazy time. Wow. I mean, it was real. It was deep. This, it, it's deep. You know, so you're so. you're in that place, you're wigging out, hallucinating, just darkness all around you. What happened then? Did that last for a long while? Um, it's last. It lasted about a month. Even when I'm telling myself, um, not realizing that the drug was doing this to me, because I really thought I was just actually just freaking out, losing my mind. And um, my mom and everybody kept saying, "Well, my mom actually put me out of home. I was living with my mom then." And she was like, she was afraid of me because I wigged out on my mom. It was a Saturday night. I actually wigged out on her while I wanted my mom. I mean, it was so scary where I wouldn't um, go to a hospital or nothing. I just wanted my mom. Mm. And But she was afraid of me and she was running from me and stuff. And I um, I mean, I was like, it was like frogs or t- something was biting me, attacking me. Well, I took a knife and tried to cut my own leg off. And my mom was oh, scared wow. and uh-huh. she ran from me and. You know, and I busted in her home, and she had to end up calling the cops. I, at this point, I was begging her to call for help, though, because I was, I was real afraid. And so her and my uncle ended up putting me in a um, motel room because she was afraid of me living in her home. She was afraid of me, and I could understand that. But, um, yeah, well, upon me living in a motel room, I was, I was still going through it, just like couldn't sleep, couldn't do nothing because I was still hitting the shit every now and then. You know what I mean? I still hit it, not knowing this is what's causing, yeah. causing this. Yeah. And I'm not sleeping. So upon that, I was afraid to stay by myself because I kept seeing the devil. I kept seeing these demons that was just all on me. And I seen stuff crawling all in me. I mean, I was actually freaking out. So I was scared to stay by myself. So I ended up calling, going back to my husband because I knew he was going to take care of me. Wasn't finna let nothing happen to me or whatever. And I called him and he come to the motel and got me. That's how I end back up with him. Wow, yeah. And he did help me through this, and um, we prayed. I had to pray to God. I had a, I got a cousin who's a pastor. I mean, she they prayed on me. They thought, my family thought somebody had did something to me, put roots on me, because I wasn't being truthful to them that I was using drugs. I kept saying, I don't know what's wrong. I haven't used no drugs, but, I, you know, yeah. I was. and But they was there for me, and they helped me out of that. You know, because I have seen people, I've been locked up with girls that get on this meth that don't come back from this stage I was in. Oh, wow. They actually do not come back. And they they actually stay that way. So I was afraid of, I knew what was going on. I could tell them what's going on. So I was afraid of staying there, not being able to come back to know tricks and not being normal. So that was all, you know, and I never told nobody this story. I told a couple people this story. But um, I never really told my mom the truth about what was happening to me? Then that was about a month that that was happening. And yeah, your husband came and got you. Straight month. So now you're with your husband. You're in that state. What happened then? We um, I kept telling him. I, at this point, I didn't, I didn't want to be back with him. So I kept telling, look, we just friends or whatever. But me going back to him, that just opened the way up for us just to be right back together. Yeah. So upon maybe after a month after that, we was working. Me and him went and got a job. 
together and we got stopped by the cops. And so I left my mom's house. Now I'm a probationer. So I left my mom's house. Me just once I went back to my husband, my mom was like, she threw her hands up. I'm done with you. So I, I didn't have any communication with my mom probably for about three weeks, maybe. So I got pulled over by cops. I had a warrant on. I'm like, dang, here I go back to jail again. It was for probation because my mom, probation officer come visit my mom home at this point. She hadn't heard from me in three weeks. She told him she don't know where I'm at. She ain't heard from me. So just, just like I skipped town or broke, you know, changed homes without them knowing. So they locked me up. I was locked up for 45 days, no, 60 days total on that charge. And I got out June, I think it was June 11th and 22. Okay. Yeah. And, and had you been in jail, did that force you to at least get out of that wigged out state and get clean and kind of, but I was still wigging a little bit in jail, Were seeing you? things stuff move. I freak out. Like, you know, I wasn't totally okay. out of it. He had yeah. me still all the way left. So yeah, I got out June 11, 2022 and husband came, picked me up from jail or whatever. I was right back with him. Cause at this point, like I said, my mom had thrown him out of house. So I went back with my husband. And so I was clean all the way up to October. I went to jail October the 2nd, 2022. That was on a Sunday. So at the end of the month of September, that Friday before leading up to the 2nd, yeah. I started back using pills. The prescription pills, the, the prescription pain pills. pills. Okay. And I visited my mama that same Friday. She looked at me and she was like, well, you look nice. You look good. Because once I use a prescription pill, all my weight fall off me. I'm like a skeleton. I mean, like. I am. I lose a lot of weight because I won't eat. So, and I looked my mom dead in her eyes and I said, nope, I'm not using. But I was hiding when mm -hmm. I looked there in her eyes. And that Sunday morning, I went to jail. Wow. And I, I always say I got, I lied to my mama. So I feel like that's the reason why. And God knew, he knew I was on that path to go right back into that same destruction that I had been living in. And when I went to jail October the 2nd, I cried, I cried, I cried. Well, I didn't cry when I got locked up. Something would not let me cry this time. I did not cry when I first got locked up. I accepted it for what it was. But um, I got stopped. Upon me getting stopping, me and my husband had a fight that Sunday morning. I found out he was doing heroin. And we always talked about just something else extra, just that's too much. And that too much was either heroin or fentanyl. We always said, you won't try it, won't do it. That was it. You know, everything else we try, always try together. Those were two things we always said that we would not do. He, so He crossed that boundary. He crossed that line. And I was sitting in the car. He was sitting on the driver's side. And he, he have a twin brother. His twin brother is on um, heroin and fentanyl, him and his girlfriend. And um, so we had been together the whole weekend. They had got with us because they didn't have anywhere to go. So they was living in our motel with us. So behind my back, I found out, and my husband, he ended up admitting it to me that they both were. He had been doing the hair in the whole weekend with him. So this particular Sunday, I don't know if he was just so high or just forgot I was sitting there in the driver's seat, but he had some number four, opened it up, fired it up in front of me. So I'm like, I know damn well you didn't, you know. So we got into a fight behind that. And upon that, he had purchased a lot of he had purchased pills, he had meth, he had heroin, but he was selling it, you know. So he was selling it, make the money, whatever. I took it off from him. He jumped out of the car. Well, he jumped out of the car after I was hitting him. He didn't realize he left all this stuff. So I grabbed it and unlocked the door. He come around to my driver's side, tried to get me to roll down the one and give it back. I'm like, no. So I'm like, this what you want? This what you want? So I took the four he was at. He was doing, and I he was like, I dare you to do this. And he hit the window one time when he, with his fist and broke it. So I fired it up, and I, and I hit it. And 
He hit the one of the last time he hit the window. I put the car in reverse and left. I didn't even make it two blocks. First stop sign I came to, I went out. I like went blacked to, out. I blacked out, went to sleep. I don't nod out, whatever the heroin did, it put me out. Foot was still on the aisle. I said, I get a knock on the window. You know, find out here, somebody saying, ma'am, hey, ma'am. And I looked over, it was the cops. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, Lord. That's all I can say. Need you say all these drugs are sitting here in my lap. Oh, wow. Everything I had was still sitting in my lap because I took off with it. Oh, man. Foot, car still in drive, foot on park. And I had been sitting that way for like two over two hours. Wow. Yeah. And that's how I did end up in Columbus. That so you got arrested. I got arrested. And this was, was this in Monroe? Or? It was in Bear County, the okay. next county over. Okay. That's when my husband from Bear County, so. So then you were back we in did, jail. Back in jail again. Had just got out, what, June 11th, and this is October the 2nd. Okay. So what happened then? Um, I went to jail, and you know, they asked me that I need medical help or whatever they called out. Well, no, because they thought maybe I was OD'd or something. I was good. I went and I sucked it up. I didn't call no one. Let nobody know I was there, but my husband was looking for me. So he finally seen that I was in jail or whatever and didn't call my mom for like two weeks. Then I finally got out there to call her after two weeks of me being there, which I slept for about two weeks in jail because I was, you know, tired and high and had a rough weekend, whole weekend. And I slept and I finally called her and she was like, I already figured you was in jail because I ain't heard anything from you. Or whatever, but this time it was different. Every other time I go to jail, I don't, my sisters and my brother, they are good to me in jail. I didn't never want for nothing. I kept money on my books, my whites, whatever I needed. But this time, last time, everybody told me no. They kind of made me suffer. They put the bare minimum they could on my books. No packs, no nothing. Mom told me no. So I was trying to figure out how can I get out of jail? How can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? Um, I never asked for drug court or DRC. So I'm trying to use all my resources. I'm trying to get out of this place. So I tried DRC program first. I got approved. And then I didn't have a place to go to, to do it because you got to have an address to come out. So everybody I called, they was like, yeah, you can come stay. My mom was the first one. All right, I'm going to give you this last thing. But when the time came through, well, I found out, yeah, my uncle told her, look, you're going to have to say no to Trixie because she ain't going to get it till you say no. But they spoiled me. They do. I'm, they was my biggest enablers also. And she finally told me no. I couldn't use her address. And my sister called them. They was like, yeah, you can. Then they get where they, then the, uh, my advocate comes see me. She was like, they say no, you can't use the address. Because my mom told them if she, they let me use their address. She's done with them all that I need to learn. So I was pissed up. I was pissed about two months in jail, even before I ended up coming to Columbus for the uh, rehab. Wasn't calling them on that. I was mad. I'm like, darn, they don't love me, you know, because they treat me this way or whatever. But at the end of the day, this was the best thing they ever could have did. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. And I, when I told my mom that, she was like, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? She yeah. was like, I was feeling so bad for telling you no. She said, I cried. And I had a couple of aunties that mad with her because they wouldn't let me come out. They were like, tell her she could use our address. She said, I didn't tell you nothing because you would have went for it. And I would have just to try to get out. But this is the best thing mom, they could have did for me this time, telling me no. Like, serious. You yeah. know, they saved me. So you, you didn't know where you were going to go. What happened then? Um, I end up racking my brains. You know, I go in that cell. And I'm thinking, like, man. I got to get out of here. Whose address that can use? Even roommates come in. It was like, yeah, we got you. We got you. But something would never let me, would never let me do it. And so I finally, I talked to God. 
my God, you know, you get me out of this one this time. You know, I've had this conversation with him so many times. But I think that he finally um felt, you know, that I was real about him, that I'm tired, you know, and I really need help. You know, I admit that I do have a problem. You know, help me. Because I, I always kept saying, I got this. I can do this. But um, I think he really felt my cry this time. And I kind of stayed to myself and just kept praying. I kept praying, you know, for him to lead me somewhere. And the thing about it is I, I filled out three applications somewhere else, not even here. So upon, I know it was time for me to leave there because I was getting frustrated with everybody. Officers. Oh, man. And they called me out of my room. Like, Trixie, your advocate's here on video. Come see her. So she was like, Miss Jones, I got some good news for you. And what did this after? I got told you I got locked out October 2nd. And I didn't leave there till February 6th. Okay. So this was like two weeks before the 6th. My advocate came and seen me. And she was like, well, your DRC program didn't go through. Your drug court didn't go through. Um, What's next? I told him, like, at this point, I don't know. Just prison, whatever. Let's get it over with. You know, and then um, I thought about, I'm like, well, what about a rehab? I never tried a rehab. She was like, we can do that. I can ask the judge for that or whatever. So putting your applications within two weeks time, me putting in three applications, I had like eight people ahead of me. So that means it could have been months before a bed was open. I was still been there. I got upset with her. I left and slammed the door with her like, you come way down here to tell me this. You know, I'm ready to get out. Went back up to my room and I cried a little bit. I'm like, Lord, whatever you got. I remember this so good. I was like. Whatever you got for me, I understand, and I'm with, but please move me. That's what I said, move me, move me. So two weeks later, I didn't hear nothing for two weeks, though. Them did move me, too. <laughs> it was two weeks later, and she came on a Friday. They popped my door, and I had a whole attitude this morning. I don't know why I wouldn't take my meds or nothing. I'm like, wouldn't come out my room for that. They popped my door about three times, like, Jones, get out of here now. We need you. Your advocate here to speak to him. I'm like, I don't want to talk to that lady, you know what I mean? I was like, all right, I'm coming. I went. <laughs> so upon me going to see her, I get down there. She started talking. I got good news for you. Bloop. The video went out. I'm like, oh, my, what the world? She, so she sat it up for 30 minutes later. They, they sent me back to my room. I went back down. She's like, Jones, I got good news for you. The other three um, rehabs you want, you know, you got a wait line. So I got one for you. It's out of Columbus area. Do you, are you familiar with that? I said, no. She, she was like, well, it's about three hours away from here where I'm from. Do you want it? I was like, yeah. She said, you fine? We're going three. I'm fine. We're going three hours away because none of the other ladies wanted it. Yeah. And I didn't want to go. A lot of my know. And I didn't want to go to the same rehab because I know how you know somebody you know. We mm -hmm. get together. We'll be few. We go. So I'm like, I'll take it. There was no waiting list with this one. like No that. waiting list. It was on a Friday morning. Monday morning at 6 a.m. They popped my door. Jones pack it up <laughs> that quick. Wow. And that's how I end up here. So, and that program was Tomorrow's Hope with that, Safe House. That program was Tomorrow's Hope that I never, ever even filled out an application for. Wow. And I said it was nothing but God. It was nothing but God. And upon me making it to the Grace House, I automatically judged the Grace House. I'm like, not going in that place. Where the where have y'all brought me to? You know, that's the women's shelter for that's safe the women's house. shelter. Yeah. Yes. So so when was that that you came actually started? Like you got to the Grace House and when was I got that? I made it to Grace House on February sixth. Okay. And um, I was like, and where have y'all? And I I came in. They brought me cuffs. So I mean, like I said, immediately me getting out of the cops car i judged grace house i'm like what the world have y'all what y'all brought me to what you know what i mean I'm, like, I'm looking around and you know you know i ain't gonna lie i really thought i was 
the way I was raised and came up, I was like judging him because I felt like I deserved to go to a clean place. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, I don't even want to wear my tennis shoes here. But no, upon me entering it, the people were so, everybody I met was so humble, you know, and I felt the love. I felt the calmness there. So upon me getting into my room and coming back out and meeting a couple people, I was okay. Like instantly. Wow. I felt at home. And I kid you not, the first week I worked, uh, started there, I told my other roommates, I was like, y'all, I'm going to work here. I already, I don't, I don't know how, I knew this. Yeah. Upon, yeah. And I said, y'all, I'm going to work right here. They was like, girl, you ain't going to work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they like, whatever. I was like, no, I'm going to work here. They said, okay, then, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But So um, you're, you're at the Grace House. I am at the Grace then, House. Did you also at that same time start in the Tomorrow's Hope? I started Tomorrow's Recovery Hope. program? Two days later. Okay. And then I was like a fast track. So I'm, upon me going, they was like, oh, you got two weeks, three weeks to chill out, to get the, you know, get comfortable. No, not me. I was just throwing it, throwing in there two days later. I started Tomorrow's Hope, everything. Everything was happening so fast for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, me, I thought this was going to take a minute, you know, you know. And they was treating me like I've been here. Everybody like, I even got holiday once. I'm like, well, I don't even know the rules, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know the rules yet. They was like, you been here? I'm like, I only been here three days. They were like, well, it seemed like you been here forever. And I said, okay. But yeah, I got reprimanded as soon as I got here. And yeah, I went to Tomorrow's Hope. And like my life, when I first got there, I didn't have no attentions on really grasping the program. I was trying to, I got out of prison or 12 months rehab. I got the 12 months rehab. Okay. And I didn't have any intentions of the place just grabbing hold of me the way it did. Yeah. Because out of my, my first 30 days there, I got my first 30 pass home, and I wasn't ready for Tomorrow's Hope. I was listening to them. I heard them. I wasn't listening to nothing they had to say because yeah. I thought I knew it all. I heard them talking. So after my first pass, I went home, and I relapsed. Oh. Yeah, I did. I relapsed. And my mom, she don't even know that either. But, <laughs> yeah, I relapsed. And I actually came back. Slipped through a drug test. Don't know how. There nobody was sitting there. I just went on back to my room. I slipped to, through a couple of days of drug test. No drug test. But upon me going back to class or whatever, got to talking, it seemed like everything they spoke about was about me. So the guilt started hitting me. I went and talked to my counselor. I cried to her, and I told her I relapsed. And, yeah, I felt real guilt. I, I, I felt bad because I went home and relapsed, but I could have actually got away with it. But... I didn't, you know, I would have knew that I used and nobody else, but they wouldn't. And I ended up telling on myself. This was, was it the pain pills that what caught you again? Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, I felt real bad behind and I ended up telling on myself at tomorrow's hope, my counselor. And, you know, and I realized then that everything they was telling me, I was listening. I heard them and I'm re I was ready for that change. Yeah. I was at my bottom. I was at my bottom when I got in that car but I think I had to go back out and just test it one more time to see was that what I really wanted no I don't and I seen all the failure all my mistakes all the people I hurt people I took from the life that was lost I mean all of that just you know it was on me it weighed on me real heavy so yeah tomorrow's hope so I then the counselor and you talked through those things and you started back uh, with the program. Started back with the program. I was on the third, uh, a one and done, a third day one and done upon that. And, you know, to see how I do or whatever, to see was I really, really, this is what I really, really wanted. But that was back in, that was April and the weekend of April night, Easter weekend that I relapsed. And 
Um, coming up October the 2nd, I would have been a year clean. But today I'm like 141 days clean because I had a setback, you yeah. know. So okay, but I'm I'm grateful for this for that relapse because it hurt and it was painful. It took me like a whole sixty days. Maybe I haven't got over that pain yet. When I think about it, I feel it here. It hurts still. Yeah, it hurts real bad. And you know, tomorrow's hope they was there, and you know, they told me you know that relapse are in some people's story, and some people need it. You know, to get to where they at. I think I was one of the ones that needed it. You know. So what phase are you in now with tomorrow's hope? I'm in the work phase right now. So you went through phase one, which is not working, not just working. just treatment only. Treatment only. And and phase two is when you you're working, right? You're working, yes. working, saving up some money, saving money, doing all that. Okay. So yes. what's what's it look like now for you? Wow, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's busy, and it's kind of it's different because I'm diff- I'm I'm around a whole different string of different people. Yeah. You know, all my friends used to be friends used to be users dealers or something else now my whole surroundings have changed and i'm happy i have fun i laugh every day and i am working at the grace house awesome what do you do at grace house i'm a house manager okay yeah and i go to i also go to school at columbus tech and get my ged back and a career at the same time awesome yeah and um i catch my meetings i've been slipping a little bit on them but i catch my meetings still and i call my sponsor i have a sponsor and she is so helpful I call my sponsors at Tomorrow's Hope. I stay involved. I got to stay involved. Yeah. yeah. So uh, where's your husband at right now? He's actually in a um, RSAT program. Okay. It's a drug treatment program also. He have nine months. And um, are we going to be back together? I really don't know. I put it in God's hands at this point. Yeah. Are, yeah. You, are you a little fearful of if he doesn't? Get on that better path of what may happen. I am. Because if he don't do right and I go back with him, I'm not going to do right. Because I will follow him. You know? Yeah. I've tried it so many times not to do it with him. Get be clean and he's still using. That's what we did between the months leading up to me coming back this time. And eventually I fall right back. Yeah. yeah. So are you going to, um, I guess that's, when does he get out? When does he finish? Um, May. Sometimes in May. I don't know the exact date. He'll finish up in May. And I'll finish up in February. All right. You have a beautiful smile. <laughs> Thank I'm, you. And I'm so, so happy that you are doing well. Thank you. That you're clean, you're working, you're giving back. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure you're able to be a great blessing and a help to those ladies yes. there. As they are blessing and help to me. They're teaching me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, and how, and the support structure, you've got a sponsor, you've got the counselors, yeah, church uh, family, church yeah. home. where are you going to church at? OCC. Where's that at? Overcomers Christian church. Okay. It's Pastor Sapp is my. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm excited for you. The Lord's got big plans for you. Man. I'm, and it still blows me away how long, how young you look. Do you, like, I mean, you've got this story, this story that's spans a good deal of time, but you just look so young. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a little hip tell a little different sometimes, but you. So, Trixie, was there anything that I didn't ask that you think mm-hmm. I should have? Maybe you want to add? Oh, no. Just addition is real out here. Yeah. And um, I know I had a conversation with one of my counselors at Tomorrow's Hope about we was kind of giving them the praise or whatever. And they do deserve it because they do give a ch- us a chance and they do believe in us. Like they don't understand. I don't know if they understand how much hope they do put in us. Yeah. And all it takes is that little bit to just show somebody that you do care or whatever. And it goes a long way. Yeah. 
because I took it upon that a good little bit of them over there. They gave me that hope. They seen something in me I didn't see in myself. And they don't, I don't think they like to take the praise for it. But tomorrow's hope was a blessing to me. I'm so glad. A real blessing. Um, that's awesome. So, Trixie, is there any one or two pieces of advice that you would like to leave for others maybe who are struggling and uh, just something you think that would be good for them to hear? Um, I do know that when someone is ready, when you're ready and you hit your bottom, you're going to know when. But I can say is don't wait till it's too late. Just try it. Try a rehab. Try some kind of treatment if you realize you do have a drug problem but you don't see it as a problem. Yeah. Um, reach out for help. It's help available and take heed to your loved ones telling you that you have a problem and you don't want to. Before it's too late because okay. I've, I've lost a lot of friends and that we can't get them back. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Trixie. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for having a beautiful smile. Thank you for your spirit. Uh, I'm so happy that you're doing well. That you are living in victory. You mind if I close this in a word of prayer? Oh, I love to. Father, I thank you so much for my friend Trixie. I just, I just pray your blessing upon her. Lord, I pray that you would help her, Father. Help her path ahead. Lord, there's things that are unknown. There, I yes. just pray for her husband. And I just pray that you would get his heart. That he would get clean, stay clean, and just make the decision to join Trixie in a better life that they would both live in victory. I pray you just continue to use Trixie to be a blessing and a help to others. I pray that she would just continue to receive instruction and guidance and that she would just continue to receive your voice and, and follow your path. Bless her, Lord. Help her. Protect her from any pitfalls. Protect her from any traps. And just continue to bless her, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you, thank you Trixie. And, and um, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you back next week. We look forward to being with you again next week as we share another testimony about the power and the goodness of God to change lives through Safe House Ministries. If you are someone listening to this podcast that just loves to hear these stories of the great things that God is doing in changing people's lives for the better, and if you would like to be a part of that work, please reach out to us. You can reach us at 2101 Hamilton Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31904. You can call us at 706-322-3773. Or you can email us at info at safehouse-ministries.com. Thank you so much for being with us this week for the Renew, Restore, and Rejoice podcast of Safe House Ministries. We pray that God will bless you this week, and we look forward to having you back with us again next week for a new episode.